Uh, Matthew Dickey. That's it. Okay, I'm Christina Dickey, and uh, we're part of Nova, and uh, we have two daughters. Uh, Brielle is four and a half, and Kalia, and they both love going to uh, Nova Church. I think um, for me, being part of Nova Church is being part of a community that's like a positive influence. So, on us as individuals and on the family, on the kids, and really that the whole concept and that um, theme that keeps coming through church is God is at the center and not culture. It gets too easy in our day-to-day lives to, to, to forget that. And so coming and regrouping each week with that as the focus and kind of letting that set the tone for the week. Being able to give back to the community and the programs that you guys have, like the backpack program. I was the kid growing up that had to knock on my neighbor's door, asking for lunches, asking for school lunches. Um, so to be able to give back and see that line up for the school, or for those backpacks, all lined up all the way to the BMO Soccer Center, was pretty unreal. And to be a part of that was amazing. I think like, uh, so for us, like the, the big thing with the Legacy Fund is being part of the building and, and we know that the church isn't the building, but it's part of what helps build the community and can be a place for events for people to connect, but especially to feel close to God. And that was the experience that we had in our previous church. So <laughs> um, uh, like four, four and a half years ago, um, when we were living in Edmonton, our whole family's here back east. Um, we, we kind of experienced the worst moment of our lives when, um, at 36 weeks pregnant, we found out we lost our daughter, Arabella. Uh, it's Brielle, our daughter Brielle's twin. And, uh, oh, <laughs> um, when we left the hospital that day, I was trying to go home and we, we couldn't, we got to our house and we couldn't get out. Um, we were sitting in the car and, and Matt just kept driving. He just started driving and he drove right to the church. And this was a Thursday afternoon. Um, we went right in. We found uh, we found the prayer room. We sat and prayed. We seen our friend. Um, Pastor Trevor came and he prayed with us without hesitation. And we can't like describe how important having a physical place for us to go in that moment where we could connect just freely as we were um, made such a difference in how the next days and weeks and um, continued on past that as we dealt with our grief so having that physical building that place to go of the church it meant so much to us in that moment and we've always wanted to <clears throat> honor Arabella in some way and last year when you guys brought up uh, the legacy fund we felt it heavy on our hearts that this is where a good place to begin. And I think just like for our family, like being able to have an opportunity for our family to be part of the legacy. We want to be involved in, in Nova. We want it to feel like our church and we want our girls to feel like that too. Um, and be in a position where, you know, we can help be part of the movement that brings a building to Halifax that could be that same place that was what we needed, that place and that space to, to connect. So we give in honor of Arabella Alice Hickey.
We are building a legacy. You're invited to build with us. Thank you, Matt and Christina, for sharing your story. You can partner with us this, this as we end this year, and you can do it in the lobby as we leave the auditorium in just a few minutes. You can give online. Uh, but would you perfectly consider, simply say, it's not a pressure thing, it's an opportunity thing. Say, God, what's my part in building a legacy? Where we gather matters. Having a place matters. Can someone say amen? And we are the generation that will push this over the finish line and start this journey. Many steps. And uh, I'm excited. We're excited to be a part of this. And hopefully you are too. Look at your neighbor and say Merry Christmas. Uh, buenos dias, mi amigos. Feliz Navidad. Anybody here know what I just said? Uh, our Spanish church, you are growing. We love you so much. Good morning, church. Um, and we're glad you are with us. Facebook, so good to have you and YouTube online today joining us for church in the chat. Please tell us where you're watching from. Um, we're so glad you've joined us all over the world. We have people from Indonesia, um, from the Philippines, um, even as far away as Liverpool, Nova Scotia. And um, so we're glad you've joined us today. We're glad you joined us for church. If you have your Bible today, can you turn it on or open it to Matthew chapter 2? It's the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 2, we are in a series called The Christmas Gifts, but we are unpacking, unwrapping the Christmas story, and we believe there are truths in it that apply for today. And we say it often, we say it many times, many ways, but we are not here just to have a service. We are Jesus followers, and we are passionate about following Jesus. And Mary did not leave Jesus in the manger, and we will not leave Jesus in church. We take him with us, and we are passionate about following Jesus and his word speaks to our lives. Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands, I'm so glad that wise men still come from the east, and every Nova Scotian said, Amen. Thank you for those that got that. You're worth waiting for. Wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed. Interesting, when Mary heard about the king that would be born through her, she was, um, she was confused and disturbed as well. But her turn was to worship and to obedience. Herod didn't do that. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, they said. For it's what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come to you, and he will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. When he learned from them the time that the star first appeared, then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back to me and tell me where, tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star that they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when, the, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, saw the child with his mother, at this point, Jesus was not a baby. He's now in a house. Some say he's around two, just under two. Um, entered the house and saw the child with his mother and Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. If you have the kind of Bible you can underline, if you have, the, if you have that kind of 
uh, of Christian. If you're that kind of note taker, I have it underlined in my Bible. I have it underlined, they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him um, gifts of Teslas and watches, straps, and uh, fragrance. No, I have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was was time to leave, they returned their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Harold. This morning, as we close this series, as we get ready for the 23rd, a Christmas experience, and again, invite people, prayfully believe it'll be an encouraging night of both celebrating Christmas, but also a night of change for so many. As we close this series, I want to talk on this topic, the gift exchange. The gift exchange. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're moving through our kids, through our worship, through our coffee as we, as, we, as we meet and we build community. I pray these next few minutes will be one of power. Father, we shake off just religious duty of Sunday mornings and we lean in saying, God, we need you to lead us today into our Mondays and Tuesdays. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would help this preacher um, preach with fire today because it matters. Pray today we'd see that it matters today. Father, thank you for the softness of your spirit. Thank you for the, the joy of this community. Thank you for these people that we call home and church. Father, I bless them today. I pray the word would come alive and not return empty, but with power. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, Christmas time is the time for gift exchanges. Uh, Gift exchanges, it seems like every, our kids have their schedule with their friends and there's gift exchanges at work. I personally love gift exchanges. It's my chance to try to find the weirdest, funniest gift for 20 bucks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I've been known to give nose trimming uh, trimmers, um, which I've enjoyed myself over the years. Um, last night, my daughter, for her birthday, she was given a live fish. That was her birthday gift. I've been at gift exchanges where people have given live rodents and mouses, mice in boxes. Um, I've, I've been at all different types. My favorite gift, I've been known to do this over the years at gift exchanges, give a picture of myself, signed. <laughs> but because there's a $20 value, I also had to include a $20 gift certificate to Starbucks to make sure that it meet, though I thought it was priceless, we had to add a, a card. Gift exchanges. You know, it's interesting, there's always this one friend that ruins a gift exchange. I don't know if you have that friend. Maybe you are that friend. There's that one person, either they got a new job, they've never had money before, or maybe they're just over the top, they're trying to be extra. You know that one person that's always so extra? And they never keep to the rule of 20 bucks. They, they go over the top. And, you know, whether they're, they're throwing in a $50 movie card and they'll say something like, oh, it's no big deal. It's just a gift from a friend. And there's a $50 movie card and they throw in Starbucks money. And then there's a vintage ornament from their grandfather that they brought over from the old world. And then they, they add a favorite movie poster that's signed by the, by the actor. And you're like, you're so extra. There's always this one friend that always goes above and beyond in the gift exchange because there's a limit of 20 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it is. And as you exchange these gifts, we all go in a circle and we mix them all up and we... We draw names and we exchange these gifts. And it's always that one person that goes above and beyond. It's always like it's not fair. You're too much. You're overboard. We always, we always believe in a gift exchange. Part of what makes it fun is because some people are like, I don't have so much to give. And if we have a $100 limit, I can't be there. But we can all manage $10 or maybe $20. And the person that goes overboard, we're like, man, you just it's not fair. You're gone overboard. Christmas is all about the gift exchange. Today I want to unpack from Scripture that we are in a gift exchange this Christmas. It's a divine gift exchange. It says that God gave us in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish 
but have everlasting life. Jesus in the, was the gift in the gift exchange, and God is so extra. God went overboard. We're like, listen, we, we need to be able to afford this. And God goes, no, 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 listen, I'm going to just blow up this whole gift exchange. I'm going to give my son. But we have something we're supposed to give in this gift exchange. We call it worship. If you look at Matthew 2, we just read today in verse 10 and 11, it says they, it says they entered the house in verse 11. They saw the child with his mother. They bowed down and they worshiped him. In this Christmas season, I want to encourage you that we are in the middle of a gift exchange and God overspent. You need to know he is so extra. God just went overboard. And as we unwrap this year, if you can understand what God did, maybe some of you aren't aware what God did. Maybe some of you um, been around this for so long that you need to remind yourself what God did. He is so extra. He went above and beyond in his gift that he gave us, and he gave us eternal life. He gave us freedom. He gave us hope and his grace. He gave us his presence. He's a God that walks with us in this season, and he'll lead us into the next season. He's the God of this life, but he's also the God that ushers us into the next life. He forgives our past, all, oh, but he holds our future. He is the God that gave us grace and forgiveness. You don't need to walk around in shame or hopelessness. I am so thankful that God, is so extra. He went the extra mile. He didn't just give enough going, that's, that's all they can afford and that's all they can understand. I am spending my life trying to understand. My has not seen, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. We cannot understand and comprehend this gift that God has given us. You can't have the miracle of Christmas without the story of worship. And I want to lean in today in this service and challenge you with the gift that we're called to bring. He is so extra. He overspent, he went overboard, but we have something to give in this, in this Christmas season, and it's the story of our worship. Now, some people give worship freely. Some of you, and, and worship is not a service, worship is not a song, worship is a lifestyle, but some of give worship so freely, and you're overwhelmed with the awe of the grace and the goodness of God. Some of you, when we talk to you, you can't help but flow and gush with overwhelmed worship for how good God is. Others hold it back. And they hold back their worship and they, 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 they save it for others and other things. I call that the worship war. Make no mistake, we're all born to worship. Today, the largest churches in the world are stadiums filled with people kicking balls across fields and throwing balls through the air. The largest church in America is called the NFL. And today, there are services being broadcast all over the world. And I'll go home and, and I'll watch one of their services this afternoon. And people will be in a stadium worshiping people on a, on a field, throwing a pigskin across the, across the field and, and counting points. And they'll have their, their church merch on. They'll have their jerseys on. Make no mistake, we are all born to worship. We'll just have to decide what we choose to worship. Others won't be sporting events to worship. They'll be worshiping people and they'll be worshiping celebrities. That's where we get celebrity culture. That's my favorite movie star and that's my favorite singer. And I can't wait to go to their concert or watch their movie. We all worship something. And there's this war for worship. The question is not if you're going to worship. The question is who or what you will worship. The Christmas story is about the gift exchange where God went overboard and gave us the greatest gift of all time, his son. God so loved he gave. And what will we give back if we will give back in this gift exchange? 
who will be worshipped. The worship war is as old as time. People have always been struggling with what and who they will worship. And in the Old Testament, it was independence. That was the first war of worship in the garden. It was, I will serve myself. I am equal with God. I want to be my own boss. I want to chase knowledge. And the war, they worshipped independence. You also see in the Old Testament, gods like, like Baal, the Canaanite god, that they worshipped Baal. Then you had leaders, the emperor of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, who made a statue of himself that was large and full of gold, and he commanded everybody would bow down and worship him. That's where we get the story of the three Hebrew boys that said, we're not going to bow, and they ended up putting them into a furnace. But if you know your Bible, God met them in the furnace and brought them out. Not only were they not harmed, they didn't even smell of smoke. And being from Canada, you came and go around the city without smelling like smoke. Uh, marijuana smoke. Canada has a smell now. It's amazing. These boys went into a furnace and didn't even come out smelling like fire. But Nebuchadnezzar was said, listen, it's not independence and it's not Baal, but I want you to worship me. There's always been a war for worship. In the New Testament, you even see it as it starts with Jesus' ministry with Satan. In Matthew 4, verses 8 and 10 and verse 9, it says, Satan says to Jesus, understanding that worship is so much a part of this Christmas exchange. He says in verse 9, I will give it all to you. I'll give the world to you, he says to Jesus, if you will kneel down and worship me. I love this. In verse 10, he says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The worship war is as old as time. In the Christmas story, we see Harold, uh, uh, Herod, King Herod, not Harold, that was his uncle, but King Herod. In the Gospel of Matthew, King Harold found out that the Jewish Messiah was born and was being called King of the Jews. Interesting, if you study this, that's a title that Herod had used on him, that Herod had used on himself for 30 years. He called himself the King of the Jews. So Herod tried to have Jesus killed so there'd be no challenges to his authority because Herod wanted to worship himself. He couldn't exchange his worship of power for worshiping Jesus. Today, we have so many things in this worship war that we want to worship. And it, there's a gift to give today, and it's the worship to Jesus. But we worship as a culture. We worship the God of happiness. It, it's subtle. It comes in as you deserve a break, and you deserve a rest, you deserve relaxation, and you deserve comfort. And the truth is, you do. I know this church, and you work hard. We play hard, we work hard, we serve so well. But there's this gift of happiness at any cost, and it's the highest focus and aim, and the goal is happiness no matter the cost to your family, to your, to your community, to yourself. It's all about you. Happiness is a God in this worship war. Self is in this worship war. I'm in charge, and anyone trying to exert authority over me is oppressive. And we think authority is a, is a curse word, and there's this God of of self and independence saying, I will worship myself. It's all about me. It's my truth and my life and my journey. And it's all about my views and what I want. And it's a God that we worship. Another God in this worship war that people try to elevate is the God of sex. People are like, I can't believe they're talking about money and sex in church. You talk about it in coffee shops, so we'll talk about it in church. But that's something our culture worships. It's call, there's a call in culture to bow to sex, that everything must be seen through the authority of sex, our value, our identity, and our acceptance. And everything is, listen, nothing is above sex. You have to see it through the lens of sex. Nothing else can go above that, and we glorify, and our culture lifts up sex. 
We also glorify money. We want to make money and possessions and things. I love in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says it very clearly. He says, no one can serve two masters. He's talking about the worship war in this gift exchange. He said, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. See, there's a war for our worship today. The question is, which one will you worship? And we today have the opportunity, and we gather here on Sunday mornings, and we gather online as part of this community to choose to worship Jesus, the one true God, the one who made us, and the same child that came to lead us to, uh, for the inside job of reaching us and breaking us out of the prison of sin and death. And like the wise men and the shepherds and the people that understood, we today have a choice in this gift exchange to bring our worship and wrestle through the worship war of self and ideology and money and sex and pride and anything else we want to lift up and go, no, 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 no. In this, I'm born to worship, and I choose to give my worship in exchange, to bring it to the table as he gave his life for all, as he led us in this life and the next, as he overspent, and God is so extra. I will bring what I have, and what I have is worship today. This war of worship is seen in the Christmas stories. We see it with the shepherds and the wise men. Today, I want to encourage you as we close out this year, 2023, as we focus around the Christmas story and Jesus followers in this room, you're like, I want to lean in. I want to be closer to Jesus as I end this year more than when I started this year. I want to give you a few points really quickly today of how to prepare your gift for the king, your gift of worship. Because I believe if you get a revelation of this, some are like, man, I come to church and I just, I just, they sing songs, I'm not really into it. Or, and you think worship is a song, but it's more than that. It's a lifestyle. But the moment we have in services is a moment. See, if you see it as songs, you'll just be a casual attender and someone that just watches. And we have a whole world full of audiences. But church is not for audiences. It's a relationship and it's an exchange. See, we come in here and we give our, our, our sin and we, and we give our past and we give our weaknesses and we give our talents and we give our treasure and we give our future and we exchange in here. It's not about an offering in a bucket or at a debit machine. It's actually we give our lives and what he gives us is so extra. But sometimes we sit back because we think we're attending something. We're not involved in something. But make no mistake, there's an exchange happening in this room if you lean in today. And what you come in is with your life. If you give him your life, he gives you so much more. How to prepare your gift for the, your king. How to prepare your worship. First thing I want to encourage you with today is that worship starts with seeking. It says in Matthew 2, 1 and 2, that the wise men diligently were seeking the newborn king. The story says that it was between 700 and 900 miles, that there was more than three. Nowhere does it say there was three wise men. There was actually a whole entourage. There was like an army. They had... So many of these leaders, and then they also had their, 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 their armies and their servants and their helpers, and there was this huge army, but they said they sought the king diligently, traveling great distance. This teaches us that worship begins with a sincere and intentional seeking of God. Our worship is not passive. So many of people in church are passive. They're just nice people, passive. No, 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 no. Our worship, it involves actively seeking a deeper connection with the Lord. You need to know today, as you're sitting here in this service and our kids worshiped and we sang in song, it starts with seeking God, actively seeking. First Chronicles 6.11, search for the Lord for his strength, continually seek him. 
Seeking God is not a one-time thing you do. You come to church, you get a gift bag, you put your hand up, maybe you give your life to Christ and then you're done. No, no, no. Following Jesus is continually seek him. Can I tell you, the wrestle in my life is to continually seek him. It's a war of worship. But I must prepare it. Worship starts with seeking, continually seeking him. Oh, friends, dig deep this Christmas. Dig deep, push past familiarity, push past it. We get so familiar with it, push past the numbness. It's a choice, seek God. And when we worship, we seek connection. I refuse, I refuse to leave here like I came in here. I refuse to let a moment go by of just checking my phone and just going through the motions. I refuse to be familiar with the presence of God. It starts with seeking. How else do we prepare our gift of worship to him? Worship is a blessing, not a burden. You need to understand this today. Worship is a blessing, not a burden. It says that they gave, they worship with joyful hearts. Upon finding Jesus, the wise men, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Their encounter with the king brought them immense joy. Worship was never meant to be somber and burdensome and heavy. It's not a duty. Rather, it is a joyful response to the presence of God in our lives. That's why we love laughing in church. That's why we love smiling in church. Why? Because when you understand what he has done and who he is and what he has given us, there is a joyful response. Pastor Matt today was trying to prime the pump, saying today as he was worshiping, come on, in your own words, would you just say something? We just tell God how much he means. What we're trying to do is encourage you to let the joy that is in your heart, down, down, deep in your heart, where? In your heart, to come out of your mouth. Because it's a joyful response. Because if you see it as a burden of, they're making me sing. Oh, did they say we all have to raise our hands? Oh, we have to stand again? Oh, I want to sit again. It's too dark. It's too light. It's too loud. It's too quiet. You're missing it. It's not supposed to be burdensome or a duty. It's a joyful response. I want to encourage you. I'm having more fun than most of you in this room. Because you understand that worship is a joyful response. Something starts to happen. Can I speak to this? Some of you are like, man, I don't like raising my hands in church. Listen, you raise your hands at concerts. This is the best thing ever. We raise our hands on roller coasters. Why? Because we want to enjoy every moment of it. Listen, my body is his. We respond physically, emotionally, spiritually. There's something that happens when you're all in as a joyful response. My son comes home Wednesday. He flies in. You better believe I'm not sitting in the parking lot. I'm parking my car. I'm going into that terminal. And when he comes down, I'm going to run to him like he is four and kiss him on his scruffy neck. Why? Because it's a joyful response. My arms will be out. I will be singing and crying. Why? Because it's a joyful response of a relationship I have. Joy to the world starts with joy to the Lord. We sing joy to the world, but it starts with joy to the Lord. Worship is not a burden. It's a blessing. How else do we prepare this worship? And in a moment, we're going to have a chance to give it in this gift exchange. But you need to know to prepare your gift today that worship is an everything thing. Now, I know that doesn't sound right. And the English teachers in the room and the Grammarly app would correct me on this. But worship is an everything thing. I don't know how else to say that. Every, worship is an everything thing. What kind of thing is it? It's an everything thing. That's like my favorite bagel, I think. Everything bagels. Do you know why it's my favorite bagel? Because they never had the plain bagels. I go through a drive. They don't have that bagel. What do you have? We have everything. I guess it's an everything thing. Well, what's involved in worship? Everything. Is worship singing? It's that. What else is worship? It's everything. See, worship is an everything thing. we got to break out of this mindset that worship happens between 10 and 10.30. I don't know if some of you know this, but we actually sing songs at 10 o'clock. 
Some of you are like, I thought worship was from 10.20 to 10.30. No, because you show up late. There's actually stuff that happens at 10 o'clock. It's amazing. You should come sometime. It's some of our best stuff. And there's parking, by the way, if you show up at 9.45. It's brilliant how much parking there is at 9.45. But worship is, a, is an everything thing. Romans 12.1. Look at this verse. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Everything thing. That means that my thoughts are worship. If I sacrifice it to God, it's proper worship to give him my thoughts. It's to give him my sexuality. It's to give him my finances. It's to give him my personality. It's to give him my possessions. It's to give him my resources. It's to give him my influence. Why? Because it's an everything thing. Is it a church thing? Yeah, it's church, but it's an everything thing. Is it a Sunday thing? Yeah, but it's also a Monday thing. Why? Because it's an everything thing. The key to praising Christ, John Piper says it this way, the key to praising Christ is prizing Christ. The key to praising Christ is prize. When you prize him, you understand it's an everything thing. It's an everything thing. The question you need to ask yourself is, is there parts of my life that doesn't belong in worship that I don't want to give because either it's too valuable to me or it's too far from God? Well, then I would encourage you to look back at Romans 12.1 and say, I don't know if you're worshiping in this worship war, because that's how it starts in the worship war of backing away from the gift exchange going, I never actually brought anything. Why? Because it's a part of my life that I think is too valuable to give or it's too private to give because the Bible says it's an everything thing. Worship isn't everything. Oh, we give him all that we have today. The wise men presented gifts of, of gold and frankincense and myrrh to the newborn king. These gifts were not only valuable, but they were symbolic of their devotion. They were all in in our worship, we're called to offer our lives as living sacrifices. It's all for him. Worship is not a singing thing. It's an everything thing. We sang it today. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Is that a song or is it truth? And the wrestle in my life going, you're worthy of what everybody sees. You're worthy of my tithe. But what about that thought? What about that hurt? Or what about that habit? Or what about that preference? And we want to start segregating our heart in this worship war and going, I'm just, just going to give what everybody sees. But no, 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 he is worthy of it all. Can I just give a little, a little, little encouragement to you? He can handle your junk. Some of you hold it out back. You got your junk in your trunk. He can handle your junk. He can handle your mess. Some of you are like, if people knew this about me, he can handle it. People can't. He can. Yeah, but I got a position and people think they see me a certain way. Yeah, he can handle what you've been hiding. He can handle it all. Yeah, but I don't know. If I give that, if I give him that part of my life, I don't know what the future will look like. He, he's worthy of it all. I had no problem giving Jesus my past because it wasn't so good. But sometimes I don't want to give him my future because I like to think I can control what that looks like. I got plans. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Worship. Worship is humbling. My last point today, worship is humbling. In Matthew 2.11, it says that the wise men 
Think about this. These are leaders. These are men of influence. They have armies and servants. They have position. They have authority. They govern. They have uh, near and unlimited resources. These are, these are the kind of men that people want to be like and people want to be with. These are people that control lives and nations and they control futures. And it says this in verse 11. It says, the wise men fell down, bowed down, and worshipped before Jesus. Can you imagine what that would have done to the hundreds, if not thousands, of servants and attendants and army following these multiple leaders into this place going, to bow down is to humble yourself. You're now in a place of vulnerability. I love the best kids workers in the world, the people that are amazing with kids. You always tell when someone's not good with kids is they walk up to a kid and they go over top of them and like, hey, how are you? And they overwhelm them. You want to connect with the kid, you just, you just, right? You bow down. You get at their level, look them in the eye, going, listen, I'm not a threat. In fact, I just want to give you my time and attention. Bowing down is one of the greatest signs of humility. There's this thing online, these, 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 these motivational speeches of these men going, I don't bow to no one. I get what they're trying to say. Be a man. Be, be a beast. Be strong. Be educated. Work out. I get all that. Oh, no, 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 no. I make progress by bowing my knee. I'm strongest when I'm kneeling. But bowing down is humility. Isn't it interesting that our king came down to earth? But these great leaders seeing the humble king Jesus as just a baby, as just a child. With armies and influence and resources, they walk in and it says that they bowed down and worshipped him. Worship is humbling. The physical act of bowing down is a powerful symbol of humility before the king of kings. And when you choose to engage in worship, because worship is an everything thing, but when you raise your voice in church and lift your hands, what you're saying is, I am bowing my knee. It's not about my preference or my attitude or my comfort because I am in the presence of the king of kings. That's why it doesn't hold much weight for me when people go, I don't like lifting my hands in church. I don't like lifting my voice in church. I don't really come for the worship. I'm like, you don't have a revelation of the king. Because if you had a revelation of the king, he'd be worthy of it all. True worship involves acknowledging our dependence on God and recognizing his authority. And some of us, we come to church, but we still elevate on the seat of our lives independence going, I go to church, but I'm my own man. No, 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 no. You need to understand that who we have in this gift exchange is the God of God. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the name above all names, and we, he is worthy of it all. And when we bow our hearts, when we bow our knee, when we submit our lives to his reign, we say, God, you are God. Why? Because worship is humbling. When you know what Jesus has done for you, oh, you bow. Some of you need to remember what Jesus has done for you. You've been in this too long. And familiarity will kill a marriage. It'll kill a business. And it'll kill a faith because you get so familiar with what you're around. And you stop fearing God and loving God. And you stop understanding God and reverencing God. And you confuse the familiarity with the presence. And sometimes we're too familiar with our friends and too familiar with our spouses. And we just get used to it. Oh, church, I want to encourage you. Some of you need to remember what he has done for you. Tell your stories. That's why I love some of our newest people are on the front doors because they're fresh and they remember what it's like. 
I met someone in the lobby today standing by themselves going, it's kind of hard to connect. It's so hard to connect when you come somewhere new. That's why I love our newest people going through next steps and going on the front door. Why? Because they remember three months ago, I was the person that walked in here. And I didn't know anybody. That's why you're so important to that team, Calvin, because you remember walking in. Walking in that room going, I, I remember coming in going, I don't know if I fit here. Am I dressed right? Do I know? Listen, there's something about, but some of us need to remember what he's done. Tell your stories. Oh, let me tell you about where I was when Jesus found me. Let me tell you what my life was like when Jesus found me. I start telling your story. Oh, where would I be today if Jesus didn't find me? When you start to understand, there's a humbling knowing, oh, I remember what God's done. It says in Exodus 15, 2, the Lord is my strength. And my defense, he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. I'm going to read that again. The Lord is my strength, and the Lord is my defense. And he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. Church, we come to adore on bended knee. We sang it today. We come adore on bended knee because worship is humbling. Worship team, come on out today. We're going to sing in a moment. Today I want to encourage you to bring something to this gift exchange of the ages. This is not just like your Christmas office party. This is not your friends group. This is not getting together for a little gift exchange. This is the gift exchange of eternity and time. I'm talking to you, church. That he, you just need to know God is so extra, he overspent on you. He went overboard. He, he blew the budget. He bankrupted heaven for you. But we can still bring something. Here's the question I want to ask yourself. I'm talking to you, sir. Leader, I'm talking to you. Man, I'm talking to you. Here's the question I want to ask you today to help you break through the familiarity of your heart. How would life be different if God the Father didn't send Jesus to be born? I want you to think about that for your life. How would your life be different without Jesus? I want you to think about that and ask it internally. If you say, it wouldn't be much different, can I encourage you to lean in and understand what God did for you? I start to unpack how my life would be different if God didn't send the Son to die, to be born and die for my sins. I want to bring something in exchange. I sat with two families this week who lost loved ones. One, an unborn child. Me and Nancy sat in the room today, this week. Thank you. Sir, thank you for letting us have that opportunity this week. I was with another part of our church this week who lost a father this week. And I'm reminded that Jesus is both our strength, as Exodus says, in this life, but I'm also reminded he's our defense in the next life. He brings our strength. You can make it through today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. He's our strength today, but he's also our defense tomorrow. And today, in this room, I know you lost a child this week, and some of you, it might have been lost a job or it might have been navigating stress and family dynamics. He's our strength today, but he's also our defense in the next life. Oh, when we meet the Father, he's our defense attorney. Go, no, 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 hey, 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 bear with me. I've paid it all. 
And we said, Jesus, you're worthy of it all. He said, I paid it all. He said, you're worthy of it all. He said, I paid it all. And the greatest gift exchange. Church, welcome to the gift exchange. You thought you came to church today. It's a gift exchange. You need to know he already outgave you, but you can still bring something to the party. Let me give you a couple of things we're going to sing. A couple of things to encourage you in your giving today. Because I'm not leaving here without giving some. You need to decide for yourself in this worship war what you're going to worship. But for me in my house, I'm going to give him something before I leave this room. I'm going to give him my praise. I'm going to worship him and bow with me because it's an everything thing. Let me encourage you what the Bible says, Jeremiah 20, 13. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. Those oppressors of sin and lust and shame and pride. Oh, I'm so thankful he rescued me from my sin and I will sing to the Lord. Revelation 14, 7. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him. For the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. He's the God that created it all and he is worthy of it all. Psalm 63, verse 3. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. Watch this. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Church, he is worthy of it all. Can we stand to our feet today? We're going back to him. We're going to sing a hymn to close out this Christmas series. There's a worship war happening. Some right now are like, I need to go to the lobby and check my phone. Will you win the worship war today? Some are like, I'm ready for coffee. Just, just give it a moment because he's worthy of it all. It's an everything thing. And all over this place, our team's about to lead us. And I would encourage you to give him everything. Why? Because he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this team. I thank you for this church. And God, today we thank you that you are so extra and you, are, you overspent. But God, we are not empty-handed. We come with our lives today as living sacrifices. And we say you are great, God. And you are great. Right now, we unlock our praise and we present our worship in this gift exchange because you are worthy of it all.
Father, I bless this church with your presence, our strength, and our defense. 
God, today we wrestle the worship war and we lift up the name of Jesus above any other name. And we say you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Friday night, Saturday night, the 23rd. Legacy Giving is open. Cafe is open. There's no next steps. We love you, and we'll see you on the 23rd. Merry Christmas.